Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. Hey guys, this is of course brought to you by Rogue Country and Rogue Radio. Please go check us out. I've started doing a radio show over on mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. I've been enjoying the hell out of it. I'm playing a lot of stuff that I just want to listen to. It's stuff that I'm a fan of. I'm lucky to be friends with some of these people. I respect the hell of these artists, so please go check out those shows on mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. I hope you're keeping well. Thank you so much for listening to episode 32 of Into the Van. I'm so excited about this episode. If you're new to Into the Van, welcome. I really hope you stick around. Go check out previous episodes. This is my first kind of foray into talking to people outside of the music or comic book industry. This is my first filmmakers, and I'm so fucking happy that Small Town Monsters Seth and Adrian agreed to do it. If you haven't listened to my other podcast, please go back and check it out. There is a wealth of talent from these artists and a wealth of information. If you're not necessarily a musician, you can still find value in these talks because it's all about motivation and inspiration. That's what I always want out of this podcast. If you have been listening to Into the Van, thank you so much. You guys are the best. You don't know how much I appreciate you listening. And if you've listened to this, you of course know today we are brought to you by The Next Life, my debut record. If you want to check out, it means the world to me. You know, I wrote this as I was, you know, going through some personal and musical changes. I wanted to do a full-length record to capture that. So it's from work to love to loss to just living in the moment, celebrating your friend group. You know, everyone goes through changes and you need a soundtrack to those things. Sometimes I wrote my soundtrack and I hope if you listen to it, it may bring some comfort to you, may bring some joy and may just help you get through it. That's what The Next Life is all about. I'm going to drop your teaser for you here now. check out mike333west.com and yeah i'm really fucking proud of this record i hope you listen to it if you have listened to it thank you so much please let me know what you think um you know without further ado this is small town monsters i'm so excited to talk to seth and adrian i'm so happy they said yes you know they are in my opinion the best you know unexplained cryptid ufo documentary filmmakers out there they have such an unbiased honest approach to this subject matters that you can't help but respect it i've been writing a song called mothman which will be out at some point this year you know i watched their uh, 
Mothman of Point Pleasant documentary and Mothman Legacy documentaries just for research to get a feel of the subject matter. And yet, I backed them on Kickstarter. I'm a huge fucking fan of these guys. So, you know, let's do it up. Episode 32 of Into the Van with Mike West and Small Town Monsters. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. Cool. So, we're rolling in. Let me just say first off, congrats on the Kickstarter wrapped up. Was it the, end, the beginning of March that that wrapped up? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think March 5th that that finished this year. And, um, we were, um, we honestly, we had no idea what to expect. It was what our seventh Kickstarter. Yeah, this was the seventh. Our seventh Kickstarter, but obviously the first Kickstarter we've ever done in the middle of a pandemic. So Mm -hmm. we had no idea what to expect and we were kind of blown away by how successful it was and relieved, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had really prepared ourselves for kind of a um, failure. Uh, not <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, for you, you know, we didn't raise our goal um, higher than last year, like we normally mm. would. We weren't expecting to gain any uh, new backers or anything like that, and it it really did not turn out that way at all. It was really surprising. Yeah, I think we expected it to hit. Um even with last year, maybe even a little bit under, um, we didn't know what to expect. So when it, I mean, on the, we knew, I think we knew within the first 20 minutes, it was going to be fine. Um, because usually we spend the entire launch night. We do this like live launch Mm. party on Facebook thing. Um, we usually, my wife and I, everyone else has a blast, but Adrian and I have a complete, it's, extremely tense for, yeah. <laughs> for both of us it's, i always say it's the worst day of my year <laughs> because i i just especially this year i was i was driving to the office before the launch party and i was just telling myself like well you know if it doesn't make it this year we had a great run mm. and i was really preparing myself for the worst case scenario yeah and uh so yeah we were good within the first 20 minutes well, heck, within the first 10 minutes, we had raised like $16,000 in the first mm. like 10, 15 minutes. So we were, we kind of knew it was going to hit the goal. And then from there, it was just figuring out how, how far beyond the goal it would go and what mm. we would do, how we would manage all that, you know, how we would manage the funds that came in. I mean, like a typical STM production anymore costs in their neighborhood of like 15 to 20,000. Mm. I don't know if that includes sometimes that includes some of our marketing, which would be things like the posters and sometimes it doesn't. But when you think about the fact that we have four feature films coming out this year, the, the, the Kickstarter hit 80, like 83,000. So that, that really helps cover all those projects. But then we also have on the trail of hauntings, we have paranormal explained. We have on the trail of Lake Michigan Mothman. We have beyond the trail launching this year. So we had we have like eight or at least eight projects launching, probably more than that. That's but, like that's absolutely incredible. Like I backed this Kickstarter as well. I I only backed the digital one just because postage cool. for the US has been absolutely crazy lately. But mm-hmm. I've been stoked to see that you went over that target. And what I've really respected from you guys and what's really inspiring is how many projects you have in the line with sometimes with kickstarters it's like if you funders we'll do this one thing but you guys are going if you do this 
we're going to do these, you know, eight or more projects. Yeah. And I think the coolest thing that's happened in just in the last two years about those Kickstarters uh, and I'm hoping with time, this becomes a bigger deal to people, but because of the fact that we signed a distribution deal with a major distributor, mm. it means that that distributor is setting the launch date for the titles. We completely ignore that when it comes to our Kickstarter backers. So the backers in this year is going to be kind of wild because yeah, it's, it's a, essentially it's a, like months advance copy yeah so, um like like on the trail of bigfoot the journey they just set 1091 just set the release date for june 3rd and kickstarter backers are going to get that in mid-april awesome. so it's like, it's like um i mean i don't the, the thing we haven't seen long term is if that affects the release of the movie in any way because one thing we did like about putting out the movies closer to their actual release date was we were thinking, you know, hopefully word of word mouth. Of mouth. Yeah. But honestly, I don't know that, I don't know that that, that that really gets the traction it once did with social media algorithms and all that stuff. Yeah, I think like I'm a musician. So from like that kind of mindset, it is interesting because I release my record on like Bandcamp first. So, you know, there's a single first and it doesn't really impact, you know, the sales of the album going forward or when you launch it. And, having that kind of loyalty to the people who backed you like instills you know further loyalty so i think it's a great idea to have you know kind of like an april and then a june release date for things because mm -hmm. it shows the value of what when people put their money down for it right yeah i like that is that a is that a spider-man chair in the background or yeah chair? that's a yeah a spider-man blanket my mate got me for my uh, chair in my office oh. <laughs> our, our son would love it <laughs> yeah. yeah i have my nephew at some point will eventually stay over and you know his yeah. bed's all ready for him <laughs> yeah, but, cool. yeah but um going you know back before small town monsters and things how did you two guys like meet and you know obviously before all this adventure began where did you guys like meet up um we met talking about grant morrison comic books in a, in a in a bar in maslin ohio yeah uh, and we uh i didn't know anyone else that knew who grant morrison even was at that point in my life so i was pretty pumped about that and then we both were like well i'm sure that's not true i didn't well my brother i did a comic book podcast so i actually knew quite a few people but i didn't <laughs> i didn't know any pretty pretty girls <laughs> So we talked, we got, a, we hit it off about that and like Scott Pilgrim mm -hmm. and, um, and then we didn't see each other again for months. Yeah. We didn't see each other for like half a year and then we bumped into each other one night and, uh, it took off from there. But I mean, we, we started a podcast. Was that before we were married? Um, it was right before we got married, right before we were getting married. And then like kind of asked, right. Like just in the very early days of our marriage, we actually mm -hmm. did a podcast pod pie together we only did like eight episodes but we actually did talk about like some of this kind of like paranormal stuff on yeah, the show we and had was, we had some um ufo episodes and bigfoot episodes yeah and, like monsters i think mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about occasionally probably oh amazing yeah. how long have you guys been married now uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he is it, it's I, I 2013. Think, I think it'll uh, be eight years. That down, I think this will be eight years. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting in married myself in October. I'm really excited for it and things. Oh, so, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> but um, with, obviously, you guys being married in things, 2013, uh, 2015 was when Minerva Monster came out. What was 
the conversation to like launch small town monsters and begin this journey of it was it like it's going to be part-time and we're going to see if it takes off or we're gonna you know take a gamble and go into this um well it was a really long process yeah um when from when Seth started Minerva to 2014 becoming a (laughs) full-time job I I mean um well first of all I should say that Minerva started as a book Mm. Seth um has been a writer for a long time and so when he started working on it um it was book form and like Seth already mentioned you know we're we were um or still are both really into comics, um, readers and things like that. So a lot of the time we spent outside of working together was spent doing things like reading or writing. So it just kind of organically started happening in our free time. And then um, when Seth met some guys who had film equipment and they kind of decided to see if this translated into a documentary, um, it just we we're just kind of like yeah sure you know we can do this on the weekends and mm. and Irva was different from anything we've done since because we spent a lot of time making it yeah uh, it's a very long production process yeah I mean we started filming in like September of 2014 and we didn't we sh- we shot like the last interview in like February of 2015 mm. so like it was very for us that's extended um, and then when but but what did happen is like in december of 2014 the first newspaper article not the first one but the first big one yeah the first big newspaper article about us making that movie came out and it was in the akron beacon journal and that kind of like kicked off all this attention mm-hmm. or toward the movie months before it was coming out yeah and i think it up until that point i mean not to speak for you but um I think it was just kind of like, a, I really want this story to get out there. The plans were to release it on YouTube and we didn't really have any like huge ideas of what was going to happen with this movie. But then when press kind of started covering it, Seth started taking it a lot more seriously. Mm. Well, not more and, seriously. Just like, I think, I think I started like looking at the long-term right, possibilities yeah. of it. And then we formed an LLC for small town monsters around that time. And then we started looking at like, well, maybe we can make another movie. Mm. Keep the momentum. Yeah. Going. And then, so what happened is the movie premiered Minerva premiered in May of 2015 at the Ohio Bigfoot conference. The day before it premiered, I went into work and just, I don't, I think we had had talks about it before, but nothing extensive. And I just said to Adrian, I think I'm going to go down to part-time at medical billing Mm. and just focusing on filmmaking. Is that okay with you? Because she basically had to carry the financial load for for a little while. And uh, she was cool with it. So that day, like the day before we left for, for Cambridge, Ohio to do the premiere, I actually went into my boss and told him, you know, I'm going down to part-time if that's cool with you guys. Mm. And, uh, I basically just started going into work uh, like 15, 20 hours a week and spent the rest of my time uh, working on STM. You and, also spent a lot of that time at yeah, work. Yeah, even, when, even when I was at work, I was mostly focusing on it. <laughs> so like, and then we made, we made the announcement. We also made the announcement at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference that our next movie was Beast of Whitehall, which we'd be making in New York. And then... 
um, you know, and then it, and that kind of like kept, started the ball rolling on like, although I always say what actually started the ball rolling on like the crazy production schedule that we're on now was that Adrian got pregnant because we were, um, that would have been 2016. Yes, we we still were kind of like lollygagging our way from movie to movie at that point. Like mm. one was coming up per year. We put out one in 2015 and then Beast of White Hall was going to come out in 2016. It came out in April. We went and filmed Boggy Creek Monster. And then Adrian got pregnant later that summer. I was like, oh crap, I have to help support my family. Mm. And so I started, <laughs> I started working really hard on finishing Boggy. And then immediately after Boggy came out, we went and shot Minerva or uh, Mothman and then Invasion. And then that kind of like started the ball rolling on two per year. And then the next year after 2017 is when it went to three. But I mean, 2017 is the big year because Mothman Point Pleasant mm -hmm. came out in June. And uh, I mean, I still remember everything that happened during that like month period, but Mothman came out. We were at, we had had Tommy. Tommy was like eight weeks, weeks old. old. Yeah, yeah, he's like eight weeks old. And uh, we were at, uh, we were filming Invasion on Chestnut Ridge down in Pennsylvania. And um, we just happened to be there that the day that the movie, that Mothman came out on Amazon. Mm. Our movies had actually been fairly successful on Amazon. And but we saw something with that release that we hadn't seen before and we haven't seen since. And that was like Mothman came out on a Friday night at midnight, came mm. out, you know, Thursday night at midnight kind of thing. And um, by noon the next day, when we were getting to our first interview in PA, it was circling the top 10 in horror on new releases. Mm. So it was, like, it was like 12 hours after it had come out. And, um, we got to our rental house that night. We shot all day, got to our rental house that night, got into the rental house that night and turned on the, um, we put it on the smart TV in the living room and it was on the featured page on Amazon. And I went into the bestseller release and we were number one in horror. Oh, incredible. But what was wild was we were in the top like 15 or 20 overall. And so that was like, cause we were passing up movies like Rogue, Rogue One. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is going to be strange. And the next morning we were in the top 10. So we had, we've never seen it since we, I just remember that we were literally sitting there cheering for the movie to pass up Logan. <laughs> and when it happened, it was like, I mean, utterly bizarre. Cause the movie cost like seven, $8,000 to make it cost less than Boggy. And, um, and it was passing up these mega million dollar blockbuster films. And then it, that kind of like changed everything. We came home from that shoot and Adrian was supposed to go back to work from maternity leave. And the day she was supposed to go back, I just told her, I think we should just focus on this full time. She was crying too. Cause she didn't really feel like leaving Tommy yeah. at that point, you know? And she's like, all right. And so she went back to work for two weeks. She gave him her two week notice, went back to work for two weeks, came home and then never went back. Well, I did. I worked from home. Oh, yeah, very right. Part time for a little while after that and then just kind of phased out. But. Yeah. I mean, it was but that was like Mothman kind of gave us the the key to moving into this full time. Um, and and from there, it's just kind of like grown each year.
That's that's so cool. Like that is one of the things I really wanted to talk to. And when it was both of you were coming onto this, I, I was really excited because I wanted to see what kind of like the story was behind that. Because when you're in a creative field, having the partner who gets it and is willing to support you just makes it so much better. And when you were saying it's like, it's not necessarily taking it more serious, but when the next level happens and you're like, oh shit, this could be a thing when you decide to take with two hands, it, like it's a, it is really a game changer. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's also kind of terrifying. Cause like mm-hmm. you, I mean, it, it was, we, we owned a house, um, you know, all the typical adult things that you're supposed to be doing. And, and we had a son, Yeah, you know, so it was like, uh, but we always, we always, and we still do, but we always try to keep our expectations very low. Like when we, went for it we were like well we'll just we'll do it for this year and then we'll evaluate where we're at see if one of us needs to you know go back to work part-time yeah and just like oh maybe if we need to replace a car at that point one of us is going to go back to work mm, full-time yeah like peek behind the curtain there is not a year that goes by where i don't at some point claim i'm probably going to have to go back to work and i'm doing um like that still happens almost every year uh because i mean the fact is like what we do is incredibly difficult to navigate completely independently, which is kind of the goal here. We don't really, we don't do, we don't have investors. We have crowdfunding Mm -hmm. and that's cool because we're giving back to to the people that support it. Um, But we don't do like investments and stuff like that. Um, And I just, I think I can't, I don't think I could handle the stress of that in all Mm -hmm. honesty. so every year we have some new challenge like this year amazon's just announced that they're blocking all documentaries from going to amazon prime um and that seems to be some sort of weird in like rule now is is basically any independently produced documentary they're saying will no longer be allowed on prime uh and amazon's always been a huge part of our revenue stream the biggest because i was going to say obviously with mothman breaking on amazon i did see i think it was through the small town monsters community on facebook that that article came up do you Mm -hmm. think like with you know shudder or someone would that be somewhere to kind of approach as an option or something what i'm sorry what did you say so with amazon um like having issues with these documentaries and things would you you know approach shudder who do you know the originals yeah the um, streaming service yeah it, you know it, it i mean that's that would be cool something like that would be cool but we've actually we had talked to them at one point hmm. um, and it didn't it didn't seem to be something that they were into i mean the the like the fact is too amazon's such a huge revenue stream yeah. and audience on there was so is so massive that something like on the trail of ufos had over 8 million views in its first year uh which i would assume would put it in competition with some of the bigger ufo shows that are on tv today at that you know that you're you're basically that that averages out to like a million views Mm. per episode a show with no marketing no money um all that kind of stuff. So that to make up what is going to be, what would be lost by that would be substantial. I mean, we are, we are lucky in that we're in this partnership with 1091. Um, that came out of very, that came out of, yeah, that kept us alive through 2020, honestly. Um, 
So if, yeah, basically like every year is um, it's like uh, an obstacle course yeah. or uh, like, it's like we've been thrown into Thunderdome. Mm. And it's uh, it, it's a challenge just to stay alive. Yeah. But, but I mean, thankfully too, like year to year, despite the fact that every year is like this, every year we manage to grow somehow. So yeah. we've, we just stay alive. Yeah. Well, I think it helps too that we're pretty creative people. So we're always kind of looking for something new or different to do as well. So we're mm. always, we never want to just keep doing the same thing we've always done. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, you'll see that with the things that we're starting to do with YouTube and things like our membership and on the trail of haunting. So yeah. And Adrian's, that we're, we we have a book production com- or a book what is it called publishing a book publishing <laughs> company that we're we're getting off the ground now too so uh, we like to we definitely like to challenge ourselves we don't like free time we hate free time we don't like to relax oh. well that was one of my questions because I've obviously I've seen your production schedules and you know from the YouTube channels to Monstropolis and the podcast and everything what do you guys actually do in your downtime is there like obviously your comic fans is it like do you focus on reading comics or is it you know is it just thinking of the next idea to take small town monsters to the next level well Seth um Seth really got into sports after we had our son so <laughs> I became a typical middle-aged dad <laughs> he he watches a lot of sports to kind of unwind I um I I do a lot of art myself um so if I'm not working and you know I'm just kind of doing things to pass the time I'm usually painting or something but I'm, I I got into what I've gotten into in the last year, oops, sorry. Uh, what I've gotten into in the last year is, um, is uh, like survivalist guys on YouTube. <laughs> and I don't know why, because that's not me at all. Mm. Um, thing all done upstairs. Okay. Uh, sorry, our son's in the, in the bath issue. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but at some point I got into survivalist mm. guys on YouTube. So I've been watching a lot of that stuff. And then uh, a lot of like vloggers and things like that. Uh, and then I've always like been obsessed with just learning more about filmmaking. Mm. So basically like a day doesn't go past where I'm not either watching filmmaking tutorials or reading re- interviews with like my favorite directors or filmmakers um adrian is currently upstairs uh helping her child in the bathroom so but she yeah she still st- she actually reads way more than i do mm-hmm. i've fallen off a cliff in terms of reading but i i think what i do still read a lot is like um yeah like filmmaking books and then like right before we just filmed we just got back from filming how the Rougarou in louisiana mm-hmm. and you know right before that i couldn't find our movies tend to run two like creative paths either either i approach them with a very firm stylistic idea in Mm. mind i want to make a movie that kind of like has this style or i come to those stories and sort of find the style in the making of it Mm. and the rougarou was like one where i i have sort of been figuring it out as we're going but but because of that it forced me to really spend a lot of time learning about louisiana Mm. and more about the state itself and the area we were going to film so like leading up to filming that i actually spent 
I, like three, four hours, uh, two, two or three days a week at the office reading books about Louisiana uh, and watching like Louisiana documentaries and stuff like that just to mm. get myself, because I don't know anything about that area. Mm. Um, so we do, we have a ton of books at the office. Like we're basically building an, an STM library at the office. So that's where I do most of my reading these days. Oh, amazing. And just on a quick tangent, have you seen like the Invincible series that's come out on Amazon from um, Rob Kirkman? I, so I haven't seen the series, but Invincible back in the day was one of my favorite comics because I loved uh, Ryan Otley's artwork. Mm. And, and I like Kirkman a lot. Kirkman, I mean, I never got into The Walking Dead, but Kirkman was one of those guys where there's, there's only three dudes like this that I can think of. One is, is Kevin Smith. The others, Tarantino, and then Robert Kirkman, where um, I'll digest their their content, and then I want to create my own almost immediately. Mm. And I don't know what it is about those three guys, but the, they're all I'm not, and I'm not like a huge, massive fan of 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 any of them. But just just the of the I guess of the work, I like yeah. the work. I'm not like obsessed with it. But if I watch or whatever, read their stuff, I want to do my own thing because it's something about the way they do it puts me in the like creative mode. But no, I haven't seen I love I love the comic. Yeah, I read the first couple of Trades of Invincible, so I, I don't know the full story. I saw the series coming. I only watched the first episode, but it was incredible. I was proper like hanging up. Like I'm a, if you can see behind me, I'm a huge comic book fan. I've got um, like a Walt, a Walt Simonson and a... Salbacita oh. piece or a Ramona Fraden piece of the uh, some man thing pages from the first issue of like the recent running two Ramita pages up behind my computer and stuff. I'm a huge comic book fan, but I get what you're saying. Like Kevin Smith to me is one of those really inspiring people. Like I love his films. Like I'm a huge fan of those. I came to Jane Sound Bob at the right age of being a stupid teenager, but like to make like my records and stuff, I sold a lot of my comic collection and things and that was you know he did that to fun clerks and stuff and it is weird to see where you can draw inspiration from different you know people either in the same medium or slightly different who have that drive and you know kevin smith has that kind of drive and motivation to him that is inspiring and the same with tarantino i think it's when they have a specific vision that they don't let people pander to like as mm-hmm. much, it's really an inspiring thing to see. And that's, again, it's why I really enjoy about your stuff is you have a vision for what you want to do and you mm-hmm. find multiple ways to do it. Yeah. 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 I guess I never, yeah, it's weird. I think when, okay, real quick though. Did you mean Ramita senior or Ramita junior? Ju- junior. I wish I could get some air senior. Yeah. Junior is pretty cool though. What, what is it? What is it from? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. So I've got a Spider-Man issue 66. I'm a really big fan of it. The Spider-Man clone Kane. Mm -hmm. So I've got a a splash page of his and I've got on the way a man without fear daredevil sketch from a recent sketch. Yeah. Cause I'm like the first things I really came across of Romita juniors was the man without fear run with Frank Miller. So I stole that comic. I stole that comic. I stole that comic as a kid from a local bookstore. uh, And that was like the first, that was my introduction to Daredevil Mm. was Man Man Without Fear, uh, Ramita Jr. series. I love that, that little book series. 
Yeah, I'm obs- I'm obsessed with it, and I like I saw they were doing a sketch opportunity, so I jumped on that, and I got him to do the you know the black bandana, and he's all bleeding and stuff. So I'm just waiting mm-hmm. for that to arrive. But I was obsessed with that, and I saw one of the recent pages went for like sixteen thousand dollars. So I'll never own a, like an original page from that series. So I wanted something that I could get pretty close to. But I'm a huge comic art fan that I try and collect whenever I can. Super cool. That's that's if I had like unlimited funds, that was that would probably be something I have. To do. I have like I think I have a Mike Roringo was my favorite comic book artist, mm. um, and I have a like a Telos. He did a series called Telos at image back in the day and i have a book that has some of his original well it's like an original sketch on the cover or something mm-hmm. of it i think it's hanging on the wall it's hanging on our <laughs> wall in our, but like yeah that's the only other that one and then i have a tim sale tim sale had a book called like tim sale in black and white and he sketched something on the interior for me and that's about oh, it yeah i know i'm like dead i was like my favorite character mm-hmm. and i was obsessed with the frank miller run because in the uk there wasn't really comic book shops, so they did like UK printings of like it was called yeah. the Mighty World of Marvel, and they did a Daredevil issue and then a Hulk issue. So they did the whole Frank Miller run as like the first like Ooh. issues. I was just obsessed, and I've got a Klaus Jansen, yeah, that I got from him at nice. Comic Con when I met him. Yeah, see, I I I love that run too, the, the Frank Miller Daredevil run, and it's from an era of comics that actually don't really love i mean I, it's weird because i got into comics in the 80s yeah but the the actual the actual daredevil run has aged really the frank miller daredevil run has aged really well yeah it's weird to see like with comics obviously it's forever changing like and resetting but there's just saying arcs that always just kind of stay like currents and they always stay fresh and like wherever anyone goes i want to get into x there's always try this run first and it's really interesting that it's one of the few mediums where there's like a big staple in a sea of content really right yep yeah but um going back to small town monsters you were talking a bit about your process like i've never been involved in a filmmaker and things what's the initial from concept to creation what's the kind of like process that you guys take has it changed since Minerva? um i'm sure it has and i kind of feel like i think it's different on every title but i might be wrong yeah i I think it definitely each movie kind of becomes its own like organic process Mm, some degree and it's like it's like i was saying about rougarou like i i was really frustrated through through the actual shoot up to the actual shoot not through it but i was frustrated up to the actual shoot because i could not i just couldn't find the hook mm. like, I could, like emotionally i like to be invested in what we're doing when we're, we're making it and um you know i felt like belt two 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 of the highlights over the last couple of years just in terms of our films not or feature films not necessarily like the on the trail of stuff but two of the highlights were momo and bell witch because like we just I don't know what it is about those two projects that I was just able to hook in and run with it. And we didn't have to, I didn't have to like find some crazy hook. You know, I was, I was just invested. Um, but 
it grew. I was having a really hard time getting myself into it. And then I started learning more and more about like the coastal erosion happening in like Louisiana. And for some reason that really like fascinated me. Mm. And I think I had a highfalutin with it, honestly, just cause like, even during interviews, I was asking people like, you know, I mean, do you think like the Rougarou habitat is in danger? And so, <laughs> people were, people loved that though. They were like into that idea. Like I, we interviewed a guy who saved the, we need to make saves the Rougarou. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think the, the actual tagline for the Rougarou festival is like, um, support, support coastal, I forget. There's the, the saying, the actual like tagline for their Ruguru festival is something to that effect, like save the habitat of the Ruguru or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I got really into that because like, you know, and, and every movie I think is different. Like with Bell Witch, I was able to, to get, I was really emotionally invested in the Bell family and like the history of what went on down there and what happened to them after the, the haunting ended and uh, the history of the land, the land itself and all that kind of stuff. And Momo, I got really invested in the, um, I guess I got emotionally invested in the, um, the family in that case as well, the, the Harrison family. It's weird. Cause like Mothman legacy is, is the one movie that we've made. I was just thinking about this this morning. Um, Mothman Legacy is like the one movie we've made where I don't think I ever really emotionally was invested mm. in any aspect of it. Um, that's not to say you can't s- still tell a good story. And I think we did a good job with that movie, but I was never emotionally an Adrian back me up. I, I <laughs> talked about that constantly. Like I, I didn't hook into it, mm. but, but I think it's a good movie um it's just it's it's definitely not my favorite and during the, the making of it i was just constantly frustrated by that fact so i think the process is different on everyone it's yeah. it's super different on on the trail ofs um on the trail ofs i really love because i don't spend i don't have to spend a bunch of time going into it on like okay what style is this you know what what is our style going to be what do i need to be looking for we just kind of like go out with cameras and make something and the style doesn't really matter. It doesn't mm. have to, there, those, I don't really think those are stylized. They're not supposed to be, it's supposed to be just like, you know, sort of um, a straightforward documentary adventure film. Mm-hmm. Um, now on the trail of VFO's dark sky has a, has a style and it's, it's weird because it's actually starting to morph during the edit. Um, almost like a vapor wave. Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's taking on the strange, like, neon 80s vibe as i'm <laughs> making it that i'm kind of enjoying um but t- typically those are much more pick up our cameras and go f- make something whereas the films we don't we try to have a very set yeah, style we like to get creative and, yes. and do something fun and different with each one mm-hmm. which takes uh, up a lot of time too because you know we watch a lot of movies and mm-hmm. kind of get an idea of what we're wanting it to look like yeah and with like documentaries like do you have like an idea of the story or the like the structure that you're going into do you have a set because what i really enjoy about your documentaries is you know some like crypt documentaries or myths they go into you know either they're super 100 percent they believe this is real and they just 
you know, blindly just this is the thing that happened. Then you have the complete other one where it's just trying to disprove. And really, like, you have, like, an unbiased perspective of mm-hmm. the, these are the facts. These are the people who have seen what they've seen and we're presenting it in a way that allows you to form your own opinions on it. Like, I've been watching with my partner and we do, are talking about, like, well, do you think that actually was a real thing? Like, what do you think they did see? Do you think they actually saw it? Was that a conscious decision to go into these things with and then what kind of structure do you have for those documentaries i i think that that's something that just naturally happens probably largely because of seth's background in journalism Mm. just kind of presenting things as they happen, and then not formulating a personal opinion and inputting that because i think you know, when we're watching rough cuts of the movies, we're kind of having those conversations too. <laughs> like, what do you think it was? <laughs> so I, I think that that's just kind of Seth's general approach in storytelling mm. is to just kind of remain on the outside and just take a look in. Yeah, I mean, I think that carries through to across whether it's on the trail of or, you know, like Mothman Legacy or Momo or... Minerva or whatever those those all have a very objective approach but the actual like when it comes to the structure and all that kind of stuff the storytelling I don't I don't go into any of these projects knowing how that is going to play out um and I'm sure there's a lot of like filmmakers especially documentarians who would say I'm an idiot uh, for doing it that way and I probably do create a lot of headaches for myself and for the crew in that approach but um, I kind of let the films just, just, uh, the, the storytelling find itself during mm-hmm. the edit. And I, because to me, that's where actual directing, when it comes to documentaries, that's where the actual directing takes place. Mm-hmm. That's where the movie, the story of the movie kind of comes into view for us. Um, the, there's, there's exceptions to that, like structurally, uh, we knew making on the trip for the journey that it was going to be a day by day. Uh, process and you haven't seen the movie yet because it doesn't come out apparently till June or May for, <laughs> for but um but that movie's been done since January and the the movie's split into days so it's like day one day two day three day four day five and we knew making it while we were filming it that that was going to be the case so we filmed as much of each day as we could um I'm trying to think if there's ever been any other issue, any other, I, I guess Momo, we kind of had a blueprint during, during the actual filming of it for how it was going to go. So we knew, we knew with that one, we knew, you know, like the example though of not knowing is like terror in the skies mm. where, where we made that movie <clears throat> and it wasn't until the edit where I was like, Oh, you know what? Like this movie breaks down really nicely into geographic sections of the state of Illinois where we can do three sections, three chapters to the movie. Chapter one is like the southern part of the state. We'll go through introducing the idea of winged cryptids. We'll introduce the idea of, um, my door just keeps slowly opening on its own. Uh, We'll go through the introduction of the idea that like there are crumbling sections of the Midwest Mm. and a lot of the central themes of the movie are introduced there. And then the second chapter where you get into like Lawndale and the, the middle, the middle portion of the state where there's hardly any towns remaining. Um, and then getting into the, the cities and all that, that was all during, during the edit mm. and it was all happenstance that that all happened. So we don't like, 
And when it comes to the docs, uh, we just don't have a blueprint really for how they're going to play out. Um, I know Santino was at the office on Thursday. Santino's our he's the special effects uh, head for STM. Uh, and then he's also like the director slash editor of Paranormal Unexplained and on the Trail of Hauntings. Uh, he was over and we were just going over like my ideas for the effects shots for um, Ruguru. And we actually were able to like, because of that, we were able to nail down how the first like 10 minutes of the movie are going to go. Mm. In the movie, you know, the doc's already filmed, but we had this big found footage style um, cold open I want to do, but we also want to tie it into this really unknown uh origin legend for the ruguru i mean almost completely unknown you never find this anywhere but but um i was trying to figure out how to nail that down and it it all just came together because of talking to him about how to structure mm. the effects. so everything's every every project's different but the one thing that i think holds true for every SDM project is that they are not really planned <laughs> in advance there's a lot of spontaneity that's so cool and how many hours of footage do you think you have per documentary that you then edit down to create what is the final form of it on the trail ofs are uh anywhere from like 25 to 50 hours i mean like on the trail of bigfoot the journey because you're talking like four maybe three or four cameras sometimes even more and a lot of those are running for multiple hours so I would say on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey wouldn't surprise me if it's like 35, 45 hours in that neighborhood. But like a doc like Rougarou, you know, I mean, if you're splitting out, if you, if you want to, all the individual interviews are going into three different cameras. And then you've also got, you know, uh, probably a few hours of B-roll per camera. So something like that is probably 20 hours of mm. total footage that doesn't include obviously like recreations and Rougarou is going to be a lot like um, Bell Witch in that we're going to do, a, there's going to be extensive recreations on that one. So by the time it's all said and done, it's probably 25 hours on that movie, 25, 30 hours. Oh, awesome. And like going way back before STM stuff, what kind of grabbed your interest in cryptids and things for the both of you? Cause I remember when I was little, my mom had this huge like tome of an encyclopedia that for some reason had like everything about werewolves and vampires. (laughs) And there was a whole section on Bigfoot and I was, I've never been able to find that, but I've got the copy still, but I've never been able to find it anywhere else. So I have no idea where she got it from, but that was kind of what got my interest in all that. But what was your first step and so into this world? Adrian, I'm I'm more interested in hearing this. Um, Well, for me, I mean, I obviously, I had some knowledge of cryptids. Um, When I was in high school, one of my uh, science teachers is like super into cryptids. Um, So like any chance he got, he would somehow like introduce like Bigfoot or another cryptid into our learning plan. I don't know how he managed to do this. (laughs) We watched the X-Files movies in class. Like he was super into it. So that was probably like where I, I got like my first introduction to it. Um, my dad was really into UFOs. Um, so we had a lot of documentaries about that at home. Um, but I, I honestly, I, it was um, dating Seth um, that really 
<laughs> kind of pushed me deep into the subject just because I was constantly hearing about it and and um, watching things with him. So it Seth is mostly to blame for it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> there, there was a. Um, I was never my where I first became aware of even like the word paranormal was through John Keel's Mothman Prophecies book. And that's just because my sister had a thing for Richard Gere <laughs> and went to see the movie. I mean, we all went to see the movie, but she saw the movie and loved it and bought the book. Um, and I remember picking up the book and she talked to me about the book and how people believe in UFOs and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, that's wild. And, uh, and so I remember that, but it wasn't until like maybe 2007 or 2008 before uh, I got into it, into it. And that was because a guy, a buddy of mine thought I was already interested in this stuff just because he thought it was pretty weird. <laughs> <clears throat> so he had like, and he was into Bigfoot stuff and all this kind of stuff. So he had burned a bunch of it to a DVD and gave me a DVD and I watched it and there were all these documentaries about, you know, lake monsters and UFOs and all this kind of stuff. And that kind of got me interested. And then I worked a medical billing job and, um, and I, I had a lot of free time to just listen to podcasts. And I listened to some of the earliest UFO and paranormal Bigfoot podcasts out there. I listened to, so I was listening to like Jim Harold and Sasquatch experience, which is funny because I'm friends with Sean Forter um now but like all those early early day paranormal podcasts i was like sitting at work just devouring that stuff for mm. hours so that's kind of that's how i got into it that's so cool and like what do you think is like it is about cryptids like i think it's weirder for me being like uk based i'm like obsessed with like champ because i have no idea where it is in the states but i know that there's a <laughs> giant sea serpent in a lake in america somewhere and I've had those books where I've just been obsessed with those things. But do you think it's where these rural towns or these towns in America, where they have certain cryptids or monsters that it's just formed this legend? What do you think is this like appeal for Bigfoot that even reaches worldwide? I think it's just the thought that there's still some mystery out mm. there. Um, and probably the romance of it just, believing that there's something so i mean that's for like because i love lake monsters that's like my big thing lake monsters and sky squids and and for me i just i want to believe that they're there because the idea that there's some dinosaur or something that's still surviving out there that we're not like really seeing is would just be incredible to me mm. i want it to be true yeah i think um uh we in some ways on the trail of bigfoot the journey is is about that but um i think on a micro level it's about the fact that when you go out into the woods it's just more fun to think that you might be walking around and having the unknown Mm. It, it really is like it's it's that simple there are people who wouldn't spend a minute in the woods if we knew 100 none of this stuff was real Mm. but those people, because there's the possibility that, that they might have an encounter with the unknown, they go out and, and, and enjoy time in the outdoors that they might not other, otherwise do. Um, 
I think on a bigger, you know, like psychological level, I think the world sucks and these subjects give people a much needed escape from the, the terrible disaster that is the current state (laughs) of the world world that we live in. And we, it's also something that connects people. I mean, like people with varied political backgrounds and religious beliefs and all that stuff, they get together and enjoy this subject still. And I, it is strange. Like I'm a member of the NAWAC, which is like a Bigfoot group that, that goes out and tries to prove that Bigfoot is real. And I've seen firsthand, like that group could not be more varied in Mm. terms of, political ideologies and religious beliefs and things like that. And, and yet those guys will go out in the woods and spend, and that group's the best example of this because they're so, um, there's a very like military mindset when it comes to how they approach going out there. You know, there's like everything scheduled out They're They're out there for X amount of days or whatever. They have to be almost, there's a brotherhood that mm. goes on amongst, and I'm not saying that because it's all, dudes it's not there's there's quite a few ladies in that group but like they're out there together in this area and they're doing that because of uh you know a a fascination and a love of of these subjects so i i I think it's a little bit of that a little Mm. bit we just love mystery Mm. we love the idea that there still is mystery too Mm. and when you're on these shoots and you know doing on the trail and things has there ever been like going through your mind of you hear a noise or, or something happens and you not necessarily shit yourself, but you go, Oh, fuck, like, is that what we're actually looking for? Because I remember when I was little, the only real kind of myths we have in the UK, we have like smaller legends of Bigfoot, but they aren't really discussed. We have kind of like the beast of Bob Moore, which is all related to big cats that have been loud and let loose. I remember being a kid in Cornwall and that's where the beast of Bob Moore was. And my dad basically locking the car doors as I was trying to get him being like, no, the beast's coming now. So <laughs> run. And I was like, shit. And that was always, even today, if I go through somewhere like up, like into Wales and I go through a forest and I hear like a stick break weirdly or something, I'm like, fuck. But <laughs> has anything gone through your mind while you've been on shoot to, you know, go against like your beliefs or is it like maybe finding proof or something that's like, you know, confirmed? Well, I, I mean, I think um the the first bigfoot yeah on the trail of bigfoot episode five i mean everything that happened there sort of shifted my worldview of as far as bigfoot like i'm pretty pretty firmly in the camp that bigfoot exists at Mm. this point because i've experienced things that really defy explanation um even filming on the trail of ufos this past november half our crew claims to have seen a ufo um, and it's, it's in, it kind of, it's actually how dark sky opens. Mm. So I don't know. Other than that though, it's like, it seems like, no, like mostly, mostly we're out. And I, I think with something like Rougarou or even like Beast of Whitehall, it's a little different from the, on the trail of stuff. And that's because when we're making, we're making on the trail of projects is about actually being out trying to find something. Mm. Whereas with, uh, the films, we're not out there trying to find a Rubaru. We're out there we trying just to we're documenting the, the, the folklore around it. And, um, you know, I, and we, it's so, 
we've done so many movies now that when we're out there, I don't even find myself thinking or looking for like a rougarou. Honestly, I was more interested in like trying to see a Bigfoot while we mm. were down in those swamps, just because I, I was like, man, this seems like the perfect habitat because there's no <laughs> one out. Um, but yeah, we, we just very rarely do we have those experiences. Mm. And yeah. especially with hauntings which i think anyone <laughs> anyone watching on the trail of hauntings will know like so far oh seth saw some ghost hair though it's not you say that but it doesn't it doesn't make any sense it sounds like i'm, I'm not the I'm one like, who saw it i saw a head i saw hair on a head moving it's a whole thing <laughs> that's one of the interesting things i like about this and what i'm looking forward to on the trail of things like i've always kind of imagined if i was you know if I was ever doing a Bigfoot documentary, something worst case scenario, I don't find Bigfoot or like best case scenario I do, but then those could flip really fucking quickly depending on what Bigfoot's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I always think of like the Will- Willow Creek film. Well, yeah. I mean, I have to say like, that is one thing when, when I had the rock throwing incident, you know, um, it's hard to explain that, but in that one second the rock throw was if it had just been a rock throw i would have left thinking that could have been an uh, acorn or a nut falling mm. out of it like the power of how hard it hit the the roof the tin roof but the the thing is that what we heard following it the like the la- the whoop and then the laughter was so inhuman and human all at once that i've never been able to you're every like when i say my worldview shifted it literally did but it did in that second and that's mm. what's just almost like a switch was flipped when it happened and you start there is a moment when it, there was a moment when it happened where i'm like whatever that is sounds awfully big mm. and i wasn't i wasn't scared I've, I've talked about this before i wasn't like scared what it sounded like what i was hearing was a natural animal in its natural environment but at the same time there there was also the thought in my head like that sounds really big like in a really big ape running around the woods if you really think about that if that thing was in a bad mood it could destroy me so, mm. so yeah so that's yeah it's a weird thing where it's like if you go do you want to go to the woods and look for bigfoot you go yes but it's like do you want to go into the woods and try and find a 10-foot gorilla Mm-hmm. No. like it's a it's a really interesting perspective i think that mm-hmm. you know, when i've seen those type of documentaries and watched those things there is a part of me that goes i don't know if i'd have the balls to step into like the woods well i'm i'm really excited because in in two weeks i'm taking a group of people who my wife's going i'm taking aaron gaskin who works who works with us i'm taking his wife's going we're going to um it's a big group. It's like 10 of us. We're going to the Olympic Peninsula and we're going to go up to these sites where they found these nests uh, that they believe are made by Bigfoot. And they've also had sightings at these nest sites. And, and I'm really excited because uh, it would be, Adrian's pretty skeptical of this stuff. So is Aaron. So is Aaron's wife. A lot of the group that is going are fairly skeptical. And I, I know what that was like because that was me two years ago. And I would just love to see, to be there with them if something happened. Mm. Because, um, the, like you said, like the reality of it is very different from the, the folklore, the stuff yeah. that we, it's very different from when you're out there and something actually does happen. 
you know like it's not it's not a ghost hunting show it's not ghost adventures like when the reality when the reality meets the myth um it'll it the world shifts around you and it's Mm. really really a an experience that i hope we can all sort of have together Mm. i would love for for something anything like whether it's a scream or like a a sound or a sighting even like anything that happens i I just hope that like i just really want adrian to be there and (laughs) have something to happen because i'm I'm very i'd be very excited to see how she responds to that that would be awesome have you come across like animals while you've been out like bears or mountain lions i don't really know yeah i mean some of these places we're in are pretty terrifying like we were just down in louisiana non-stop alligators i mean the entire time there were alligators everywhere we saw at the first place we filmed b-roll we were we saw three alligators and multiple snakes um and i did see like my first out in the wild 10 plus foot long alligator while we were there i mean that that was pretty intense but as far as like situations where things could have gotten hairy we were actually when we were in the olympic peninsula the last time back in 2018 it was mark matsky and i and we were out there with a guy named shane corson hiking up this hill it was just the three of us and mark and i kept hearing what we thought was a baby crying mm. and which in the woods is a terrifying thing <laughs> but like we kept hearing it and shane was like uh I said something to Shane about it. He's like, all right, everyone stop moving. We're, we're, we hunkered down and we could hear something moving through the underbrush ahead of us, maybe like 20 feet. It was real close. And Shane got down on his hands and knees and is peeking through the underbrush. And he's, he looks back at us and he's like, oh, it's a mountain lion. And so that was like, uh, that was like one of those incidents where it could have gotten pretty, pretty shady pretty quick. But as far as bear, we haven't really encountered bear. I don't even know that we've seen a bear on an STM shoot yet. Um, we've definitely been in areas and we're going to, you know, when we're in the Olympic peninsula, we're going to be in an area where there are bear, um, black bear and grizzly. Uh, but I, I doubt we'll see that kind of stuff. What you, what you, what we want to watch out for the most is like uh, poisonous spiders uh, because we've we've encountered those. Yeah, you encountered some black two two black widows. Yeah, in our tent in in Oklahoma. Fuck. Uh, and and then uh, rat, rattlesnakes are pretty nasty. Copperheads, snakes are are a danger no matter where we go. Um, and that's about it. Like mm. you're, most of the other stuff is going to get out of your way. Um, so. It'll be. It's it's a little concerning. I mean, I was pretty concerned with the Louisiana shoot. I didn't go on that, um, but Seth took our fifteen-year-old nephew <laughs> with them, and I was I was pretty worried for that. Yeah, I mean that one was kind of dicey. I had <laughs> I kept on him like you know, you you just have to make sure you're watching the ground because yeah. snakes are they blend in and like you're next thing you know, you're stepping over a copperhead, which is something that happened on Boggy Creek Monster. One of our guys walked right over a copperhead and never even saw it. Um, I, back in July of last year during the Bigfoot, <clears throat> the journey shoot, I, we were up on top of Mount Hadley and in the movie, it's this very like emotional kind of moment. Uh, it's like a culmination of a lot of different things, but in the reality of it, I mean, we, there was that emotional aspect to it, but moments after the emotional crescendo, I was standing somewhere by myself 
just, uh, just, I think, you know, like pondering life's great mysteries or something, <laughs> staring off. And I looked down at my foot and literally my foot was the, the toe of my foot shoe was almost touching a, a rattlesnake. And it was a, uh, it was, it was right at the, right there. I mean, like, and I guess I just wasn't paying attention. I mean, like that's, that's like the biggest danger. And the scary thing in that kind of situation is we were two and a half, you know, a, a, essentially like a two and a half mile, three, three mile hike straight up this mountain. So to get down after getting bit is going to be a chore (laughs) chore. (laughs) and you might not get out alive. Uh, so that kind of stuff happens a lot yeah. and uh, you know thankfully so far we've we've been blessed to not run into any serious uh knock on wood yeah yeah no, that's incredible because it's with that kind of like what you guys do you like the obvious kind of main idea or the main like thought of danger is you know whatever you're trying to find but then the list just runs down and my hat's completely off to you guys for going out there and uh, do you do you purposely pick anyone who's like you know you can outrun when you go on these trips <laughs> no <clears throat> no because i'm the guy that definitely would be like the slowest and and probably die <laughs> in every situation but um i do try to pick people occasionally like i didn't for louisiana but you know it's it's always good to have like alexander petikoff with us because he's kind of an outdoorsman he's mm. usually armed uh well aaron armed aaron, aaron was armed for louisiana but i mean it's usually just like you want to have someone in your group who you know can handle yeah. <laughs> handle a situation if things get out of control um you know especially with like wildlife mm. uh but i mean that isn't always the case i mean there were there were a lot of shoots where the crew was like myself and zach and jason which, I mean, you could not have three people more ill-equipped to <laughs> survive. Mm. No, that's crazy. Just on a tangent, have you read um, Max Brooks' latest book, Devolution? I haven't. Uh, I wanted to check it out, but like I said, my reading. Yeah. Uh, but it, it does look cool. Yeah. If you can get a chance to get the audio book, I'd really recommend that because that's kind of you know the worst-case scenario of running into a big feat. Right. Well, I mean, what's weird about it is I've heard about, I've heard about that book and it reminded me of like when I first got into Oklahoma, into area X, they sat us down and had this whole talk with us about what happens if someone kills a Bigfoot while we're there. Mm. And it it was, again, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as scary as. And sad. Yeah. It's weird because they were talking about like, what happens if you take a young or like what happens if you, if, if you kill a Bigfoot and then, the rest of the Bigfoots come for us and like how you transport, they have a freezer and a cooler for like keeping a part of the body if they need it. So um, yeah, when I read about that book, it actually really reminded me of being in area X. Mm. No, that's crazy. I'd really, if you get a chance to, cause uh, I really like whatever they do with like, I really love the world was the audio book they did with like the mm. voice cast and this, it has him. Um, I think is it Julie Greer? And um, Nathan Fillion are two of the main cast members oh, of the cool. audio book. But I'd really yeah. recommend that. But with traveling across American things, what's kind of been the longest drive or like the longest trek you've had to get to a film shoot? Arkansas or Louisiana. No, Louisiana is way farther. I mean, yeah, if you're talking about actually driving to a place, I mean, mm. it, it was Louisiana, we drove 
over 17 hours just to get there. And then once we were there, unfortunately, we were situated so far out and down on the coast that to get to any spot, we basically had to drive a minimum of 40 minutes, but usually more like two hours. So Mm. there was a ton of driving. We put like 3,500 plus miles on the rental car. Uh, So that was intense. And then I think that probably the Southwestern desert portion of on the trail of UFOs is a close second because we actually spent uh, just hours in the car driving from Vegas down to Phoenix, from Phoenix uh, to Sedona, Sedona to area 51 back to Vegas. It was a ton of drive, drive time on that trip too. And then, yeah, like Arkansas. Um, And when we did boggy, you went back and forth to Arkansas three times. Yeah. I've been down there three or four times. It's my, I hate that drive. It's (laughs) it's so boring. And like when you're driving and things, are you listening to podcasts or do you have like favorite bands that you're listening to and things? Um, I usually, I, I usually listen, there's a podcast called the complete guide to everything, uh, which is these two, two dudes just kind of talking about uh, nonsense. And I, I became <laughs> I'm, really selling it. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because like we, we listened to the show that the rest of the crew kind of likes that show too. So it's one of those things where we can all agree to listen to it, but it was weird because I've been listening to that show since I started in medical billing doing that show for 12 years. Yeah, or something. It's been a long and I've listened to them almost since they started. And then one day I was listening to an episode and Tom uh, Reynolds, one of the co-hosts started talking about how he was watching a documentary about the Mothman. Mm. And started talking about it and i slowly realized he was talking about our movie oh no way <laughs> and uh so i ended up messaging him and sending him some stuff some some copies of our movies and now he like backs our kickstarter yeah, really <laughs> awesome. he backs kickstarters and uh watches watches our stuff and all this. so it's, it's kind of weird but i listen to complete guide to everything and then i listen to a lot of like uh early 2000s emo music like get up kids and alkaline trio and the stuff i listened to yeah. when i was i don't my music tastes don't change no i've listened to his yeah i've listened to jimmy 90s. world for 20, <laughs> 25 years and i'm not changing anything <laughs> nice and like with obviously you've had like those type of people backing you and stuff when did you kind of realize you had this community that was supporting you like was there a change obviously with mothman climbing the charts for amazon was there a switch where you went oh there's people who are not only willing to watch this but you know invest and put money down for us to you know carry on doing these projects when did that kind of turn point happen was that around 2017 as well um well the, we've done um kickstarter campaign since minerva so i, I it started then and we were yeah. definitely we were, I think our first goal on our first Kickstarter from Minerva was like $500 or something Mm. that ended up raising 6,000. And we were, um, beside ourselves, we, we were, we just couldn't believe it. And that feeling has never really gone away. Um, I mean, this year in particular, when we launched, um, the Kickstarter, I, I mean, immediately we just had people backing at our, our executive level and it, it, it's crazy. It's always crazy to us that there's people that are um, that willing to support us. And of course, we're extremely thankful for it. But um, a lot of times it's the same people coming back every year to mm. support 
at those really high levels and um, it means a lot to us and I think it just makes us more determined to to do the best work we can and um, to to do new things and put out quality films. Yeah and I think like because of that we also realized at some point that people like watching us do what we do and like Mm -hmm. so like that was kind of the idea behind Squad which is the YouTube like membership Um, and that is primarily like behind the scenes content even on the trail of hauntings is basically like watching stm wander around which is we're we're all ridiculous so it's yeah (laughs) yeah so like the community grew i mean the community started with the first movie and just grew from there so it's been that's been wild too Mm. so cool and with kind of the community growing was it you know creating the podcast and youtube channel was to you know, not necessarily reward, but to give people more things to listen to, or was it you created those things to then try and widen your audience, or was it a mix of both? Well, I mean, uh, um, Bobby's going to start barking. Uh, Yeah, the Sasswet was kind of like the first podcast we did, and we did Sasswet before we even made Minerva. So Mark and I used the podcast just as a way to get back to like having an excuse to hang out every week Mm. and talk. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's an element, it's weird too. Like we didn't really plan on Monsteropolis or the new like Squadcast show. We didn't plan on those being part of squad when we started it. Um, Monsteropolis kind of came in and then Squadcast came in and now we've got those two podcasts on there. We might be launching another podcast over on the, the, the YouTube channel later this year with Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we know that people like the behind the scenes stuff and we, and we have a lot. Yeah. And I mean, we, we like making it as the other part of it. I'm, I've always been a huge behind the scenes guy. There's a YouTube channel called film riot and, um, Ryan Connolly, the, the guy there, um, makes, uh, short films. And whenever he makes a short film, he'll, he'll do these really extensive, kind of production diaries where someone just films basically every angle of the, of the production and then they release it as these like three or four hour long, you know, uh, reels of, of behind the scenes stuff. And I know there's people that would watch that and be bored out of their minds. Um, but I think there's just as many people that are like me that love watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of like uh, squad is, I think that's that's kind of the the impetus for all that is giving people access to what it's like to actually be part of making this stuff and the 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 podcasts have just kind of like fallen in under mm. that. Awesome! I was listening to um, your latest podcast, and was the something to do with the YouTube way that people can subscribe? Where you were looking to move into Patreon, or is that? you're going to like maybe look at doing that as an additional thing or yeah the the only reason i'm talking about that is just because we we know that there have been issues with the youtube membership Mm. when people join you can't join on a mobile device which is absurd like because most people are looking at i mean not most people but a lot of people people are are yeah and and it just seems silly to me that you can't just pull it up on your phone and join under a membership i mean i really would prefer not to have to switch platforms at this point over to Patreon. I like the idea of Patreon, but we actually had 
sort of weighed our options here when we mm-hmm. were starting. And Patreon was originally what we were going to do. The reason we've, we haven't done it and the reason I balk at it still is we would be running two crowdfunding campaigns. Yeah. And so that, that kind of bugs me. I like the fact that with YouTube, people are paying for like a membership and they're, they know upfront, like, this is what you're getting. Um, and then they're basically. It's almost like a mini streaming service. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we started talking about the memberships um, a couple of years ago. It was a long time coming. Um, and our big concern was always that we didn't want anything to interfere with the Kickstarter campaign or make it feel like, we're we're starting to do two things that are the same but they're not mm. the same so mm-hmm. <clears throat> when um youtube started you know doing these membership platforms it was kind of exactly what we were looking for it's just you know it's it's all new so we're we're kind of figuring it all out as we go yeah. to some degree mm. no that's really interesting like as a kind of musician like what i wanted to do was you know, kind of diversify, obviously, with a big chunk of what I did was touring, which obviously went out the window last year. I st- this week is a year of this podcast being a thing. And it was a way to kind of diversify and interest people. But like using like what you guys have done, it's been interesting to see people go forward and how to bring like quality content to people, but also, you know, callously generate income from it, make it into something that you can pursue a full time. So I've been really inspired by what you guys have been doing. Like we're wrapping up. I don't want to keep it too long. Obviously it's been over an hour now, but with kind of like I saw the YouTube videos, if you did debunking footage and things, do you get jaded by new videos or theories at all? Or is it like, like I was on a Nicolas Cage podcast recently and whenever something happens with Nicolas Cage, these guys get sent that news article or that picture by like a million people is your phone blown up when there's a new video or something and you're like i've seen this 10 times already yeah (laughs) (laughs) that definitely happens a lot um and i don't i mean we've kind of we're the bigfoot people that (laughs) that everyone knows i guess so anytime there's like a picture or something we get it sent to us like 30 (laughs) yeah and what's weird for me i've never been I actually have never been like super into that stuff. Like what's, what's the latest Bigfoot news. I don't really follow that kind of stuff. And it's interesting with this, like the show, the YouTube um, show, like that was an idea that Santino had. He's like, why don't we just sit down and watch paranormal evidence videos and comment on them. And I'm like, I've never watched, I don't watch paranormal evidence videos. Um, so for me, it was just like, I, I didn't really, I didn't really care. Uh, I, I didn't love the idea when he approached me with it is what I'll say. But over time, it's been fun doing just because I like to sit down with Aaron and him. What they have to say about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, I don't think I'm jaded by that stuff. I just find that over time, uh, it's so, so, so much of it is either... Uh, there's no way it's, it's so much of it is just hoaxing or blatant hoaxing mm. or or just misidentification or something so i've never really cared for that kind of stuff but um i think the videos i think over time if people will start sending us their own videos that's what i really want to happen with that mm. show like i i get that like right now like we're, i picked up something weird on my yeah. nest cam yeah. this is 
can you tell me what you think it is? That's the kind of stuff I really want to get to with that show because mm-hmm. then it'll be less about us debunking things because I don't really consider what we're doing just debunking yeah, everything. The YouTube commenters don't like it either. Yeah, um, <laughs> but if we can get, they don't like anything. If, if we can get to that point um, with that show, I think that would be much more interesting because then then we're being sent stuff by people who have, you know, I'm going to know some of those people and a lot of those people have a, a, a more... Uh, honest reason for why they would think yeah. that something is real or, or whatever. Mm. No, that's really interesting. Like I have um, a recent t-shirt design and my main logo is a Bigfoot holding a guitar. So I get tagged in everything Bigfoot, but with him, like the video recently where it was the Dobby alien thing on CCTV. Yeah. Have, you no- have you noticed kind of, since you've been doing this for a while, have you noticed as like TikTok and technology has got better for phones, like, people are always trying to go viral have you noticed a rise in people trying to go necessarily viral or trying to make videos that you know dis like prove or a ghost site has that increased like with the new technology of tiktok and things have you noticed i think there's less oh, really uh, yeah that's my personal read on it because i don't know if it's that there's less or, or there's just a sea of it's it just and less so yeah now. it's so saturated that people that there isn't anything yeah standing out anymore but to me it seems like i can't remember the last time someone shared a bigfoot video like a recent bigfoot video where i thought where where it was like capturing attention mm. um you know like you think that there was that skunk ape video mm. from like maybe 17 that was kind of interesting and that was a long time ago and that was the last time that something came out that really grabbed enough attention to where i actually paid paid any mind to it so I think it might be that there's it's so oversaturated that that there isn't anything that there, it's too hard to stand out from from the crowd. That's really really interesting. And obviously, I want to kind of wrap up. I don't want to keep you guys too long. What keeps you motivated throughout this with all the projects and thing? Like, obviously, you have a drive as it being like your job. And but do you have a motivation when you wake up in the day to be like? you know, this is what's driving me to do it outside of, you know, your interests and things. It's just with so many projects that you're doing, it must be hard to maintain that level of motivation and drive. I think it, uh, it probably largely stemmed from a desire that we just don't want to go back to what our life was like before. Mm. <laughs> uh, right. No, I mean, for me, <clears throat> well, sure. That's I guess that's part of it. I never, I'm not that scared about, I've, I've always talked about like, I could go back to medical billing tomorrow and make it work. Like mm. I would, I would listen to podcasts all day or something. Mm. That's fine. But no, I think for me, I'm still driven by learning more about story. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that was like the thing about making these movies that maybe open my eyes to who I am am or who i what i do or why i'm on earth and that's like i'm a storyteller and it doesn't matter if i'm doing that through writing for a local newspaper or making movies about bigfoot and mothman like you approach it in the same way you should approach it in the same way with the same amount of seriousness and objectivity Mm. and you should always be trying to find new ways to tell those stories and so I think for me too, it's also an aspect of no one else has done what we're doing. Mm. And so, and that, I know that sounds 
like self-aggrandizing or whatever, but it's like, it is true. Like I've looked, there's, there's no one else that's ever built a production company around making content about the paranormal like we have there it just doesn't exist it never has um and so i think for me it's always like well what else can we do like what how 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 where can we take this where can we take this next yeah and and i think there's an aspect of challenging ourselves to it that keeps me going as well i mean every day i'm supposed to be on a break i took off friday i took off through monday at least maybe tuesday because we're getting ready for like a really big shoot um, in about two and weeks. Just came back and I just really came back shoot. from a really big shoot. And I'm pretty, uh, uh, like even this morning I was sitting down here and I couldn't stop myself from coming up with like ideas and things I should be. And I'm like, and then I had to like, I have to almost like physically restrain myself from like starting to act on the ideas I'm having. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I should call this person and talk to them about this idea. And so that, and that's almost every morning I, I have my brain floods up with ideas I should try implementing. So I don't know. I think it's, I think those are the reasons for me. And then supporting, say, taking care of my family. We have two staff members now at STM. We have two employees, so I got to pay them. Uh, and so, <laughs> so it's also just making sure that everyone doesn't, doesn't go Starve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really inspiring. And what I love is like, it's both of you guys doing it and being able to bounce off each other. Um, it's just a really cool thing and it, it is like i've been into this kind of thing for ages and like it isn't self you are the only people doing this you know multifaceted all-encompassing you know documentaries podcasts youtube series about such a wide range of topics that i really can't thank you enough for doing it really as a fan this has been fucking awesome <laughs> cool thanks man but um you know you've got everything coming through with it like up to like big for the discovery and like is it november 2021 what's kind of your plans for the future going into like 2022 and onwards um well 2022 we're making more movies um i don't know yet like what our schedule is for next year i know i know what our movie is and we'll make like a, a big announcement about that later in the year but um uh, you know, just making more movies and then uh, growing, continuing to grow the the YouTube stuff free and the membership kind of mm. and things. Um, I think Beyond the Trail is going to be a lot bigger than maybe what people are thinking, uh, if they're thinking about it at all. Mm. Uh, because I think that series, uh, Alex has been showing me updates of the of the pilot episode as he goes, and it's it's just unlike anything that's ever been made about the topic of Bigfoot, mm. and um. And at the same time, it ties into our films in a really cool way. So you're, uh, it's, it's just, it's just such a cool, uh, it's just going to be crazy when it comes out. Uh, the quality of it and it's a free YouTube series is going to, I think when people see it, they're going to be blown away by what it is. And especially when he works on the second episode, which is going to tie into the discovery, um, I just it's it's going to be something really cool and then paranormal doing more paranormal unexplained and uh there's some other stuff where we're going to relaunch case files and all that kind of stuff next year as well so 2022 mm-hmm. uh a crazy year i just don't know yet how i can guarantee you it'll be crazy mm-hmm. uh i just don't know what what the exact schedule is yeah cool man i can't wait for it but just before we go has there been a cryptid or a myth or a legend that 
you've wanted to do that you haven't done yet because you haven't necessarily found a hook or a perspective for it yet? Um, you know, there, there hasn't been due to those facts. There, there are cryptids and paranormal topics that I would love to cover that I don't think we can in a film because it would not be, and I hate to say this because it sucks, but it wouldn't be marketable. It's mm. like one of the, there's like, I'd love to make a movie about the Dover demon, but we can't because it would be a 40 minute movie and how am I going to sell it? And where is it going to come out? And that, like that, that does suck. Like I know when we made Beast of Whitehall, I made it for 49 or what was it? 40, it was 39 minutes. I wouldn't do that today. Mm. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to make enough on it to even make the budget back. And that stuff bugs me because I feel like I don't want to be constrained by those. I mean, I think everyone's like this, but I don't want to be constrained by those financial limitations and mm. having to worry that kind of stuff. But that's like the reality is we're funding our own stuff. So you have to be aware of that or we will go under. Mm. Uh, so there's been subjects that we haven't been able to cover because of that, but not, you know, not, not because I couldn't find a hook. Yeah. No, that's uh, really interesting. But, you know, I'll let you guys go. And just, I wanted to say, like, obviously I know how busy you guys have been and, you know, shooting things. So I really can't thank you enough for making the time to chat to me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Adrian went upstairs because their son just woke up from his nap, but I'm sure she would express her her uh, her thankfulness for being on the show as well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I really appreciate making the time, but I'll let you go. And I re- again, I can't thank you enough for making the time for this, and I can't wait to see everything that you're bringing out this year. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to go back and try and watch as much of it as I can as well. And yeah, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, dude. And there we have it. That's episode 32 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. I can't thank you enough for listening. Please go check out Small Town Monsters. What they are doing is incredible. You will definitely love it. You will find some stuff you didn't know about. You'll be entertained. And it's just an incredible journey to go on. Go check them out. Yeah, just keep on supporting the stuff you love, guys. Keep finding the things that you want to love as well. It's important to discover stuff. And it's also important to tell people about the things you discover. Word of mouth is still the most important thing. So please, if you like this podcast, tell a friend about it. Leave me a review wherever you're listening to it. It's a massive help. And until next time, guys, peace.